Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's Roscoe here, your co-host, joined once again digitally by the power of the internet to Jamie Glazer up there in the Gold Coast. Jamie, how are you? Roscoe, very well, thank you. Very well. We're um, yeah, still the lucky the lucky city at the moment, being open and having the weather, but um, yeah, so very grateful to, to, to be able to get out and about up here and uh, still thinking of everyone in Sydney and Melbourne who are who are locked down, unfortunately, but um, we're going to take advantage of that today. Well, mate, uh, you're rubbing it in, not not only by that, but you're rubbing it in because you've got a T-shirt on, and our guest today and myself are sitting down here in Melbourne with hoodies on. <laughs> Freezing. <laughs> Benny Mackay, welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. How are you, Ben? I'm good, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Mate, thanks for coming on. Now, just uh, uh, you can introduce yourself in a second, Ben, but uh, it's great to catch up with you again. We, we've met before uh, face-to-face. I have seen you play golf, um, so we can confirm you are a golfer, but you, you really are a professional AFL footballer for the North Melbourne Kangaroos. One of the uh, most, you've probably heard this a thousand million times, but the most twins of twins that I've ever seen in the world <laughs> with your brother Harry and yourself. Mate, um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's early on a Sunday morning, but um, it's great to have you on. How are you going? I'm well. As I said, thanks for having me at the start. Mate, I'm not much of a golfer at all, I'll be honest. I'm terrible. I've always blamed uh, not having correct clubs or the ball or something like that to uh, to help me, but, mate, I'm a terrible golfer. So, um, yeah, I need, I need a bit of work from you guys on that one. But um, I'm going well. We're, as you said at the start, we're locked down in Melbourne, which isn't much fun, but um, our season just finished just about a week ago now. So it was a bit different uh, not being able to, you know, sort of celebrate the end of the year and, um, you know, get out and about. But um, unfortunately, that's the times we're in at the moment. So sort of lockdown inside, uh, raining in Melbourne, um, not ideal, but at least the footy's on um, to sort of watch. And um, yeah, but pretty bored, mate, to be honest. So, um, you know, the end of the year, usually with uh, any you know, professional sporting club, I mean, any sporting club that has an end of year is followed with a mad Monday or some form of celebrations, as you said, you've missed out. Yep. Did you did you do anything virtually or, or would you just put that off until you can do it and then you'll go out and have some uh, cut loose time then with the boys? Yeah, so after we, we played, our last game was in uh, Adelaide. So we had a couple of drinks after the game there. And then on the Monday, um, there was a few um, guys jumping on Zoom. So um, a few guys carrying on there. But I, I'd like to think that we... Yeah, when we can open up and um, get out and about, we can sort of celebrate it properly. But some guys are going back home interstate, so, um, you know, it's not always going to be perfect. But I'd like to think when we're um, open, we can sort of celebrate it properly. And, you know, no matter how well you go in a year, I reckon it's always important to um, acknowledge your teammates and celebrate um, the highs and the lows of an AFL season. So, no, mate, You said, I'm mate, sorry. Um, sorry, Roscoe, um, you said that you, you know, Footy finals are on. Are you uh, you watch the footy finals from a from a sort of an athletic performance standpoint, where you're watching it and analysing, or just from a footy fan point of view? I'm both, mate. I I love footy. I watch 
every game every week. So I'm yeah. a footy fanatic. And even within those home and away seasons, I'll always look at matchups and because I'm a, I'm a key defender, so I'll normally look at that matchup and I don't know, just have a bit of an interest in that one. So I yeah. suppose the games over the weekend, I'll you know look as a fan point of view, but also you know, what sort of matchups are on and how they're going and how I want to get when so how I went against those guys this year, sort of comparing and yeah, I love it. Yeah. So um, yeah. there's another game today. So I'll be watching that one and just keeping an eye out on those sort of matchups and um, enjoying the, uh, yeah, the, the coverage. And Benny, uh, you, you mentioned you're not much of a golfer. You're always blaming other things, you know, and I can confirm a bit of that because I saw your golf clubs and they're probably several inches too short. So we probably do yep, need to have correct. a bit of a, Probably do need to we have do. a bit of a tweak at that, but we do. The reason why you're, you know, sitting on you know, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast today is because you actually do a bit of work with Jamie, and yep. you know that's the purpose of the real purpose of today's uh, podcast is to just, you know, bring you into the world of uh, with the listeners, and there are many and all around the world who love hearing from uh, the guests that we get on, and I guess you know you and Jamie can just help us understand some of the work that you do from a professional sporting. Uh, nature excuse me and the work that jamie does and just your background in that and and how it all came about so you know jamie i might yep. you know, hand over to you to just lead in with um you know how you came to know uh, ben and, and the sort of um, work that he does and, and what you do yeah look i think uh, it, it probably all started many years ago i was invited to come down and be a guest speaker at um at st paul's angling and uh uh, up in Warrigal uh, in Gippsland, which was it's an uh, has an elite sports program, an ESP program, and uh, Scott Armour, the head of that, invited me to come down and give a talk, and, and then I I probably had given three or four talks there over the time, and a fantastic sporting program, you know, it's for for a, a school in Gippsland to have such a focus and attention on elite sport and educating the young. Uh, athletes as part of that program on the many different facets of performance was was fantastic and I was able to meet a young a young girl who was a basketballer who was a very good basketballer who currently now plays in the WNBL and um, is Ben's girlfriend so I think I did some work with Taylor for a, a little while and then through the association and the school Ben was sort of reaching out to get uh, a little bit of assistance in in sort of the mental performance side of things, and and that's how it came about. I think Benny, you reached out to Scotty Armour or Taylor, sort of forwarded you my details or something along yep. those lines. Yeah, I think it was through Taylor. I remember, yeah. I reckon it was maybe early 2019. I reckon, and um, she mentioned that uh, she did a bit of work with you, um, sort of back end of her schooling uh, journey. And um, at that stage, I was, um, I think it was a, a good thing because. Um, although at the time, I think I tried a couple other people just to sort of, you know, get the ball rolling. I think the, the focus of that mental sort of performance as well really grabbed my eye and, um, you know, other psychologists and stuff are really good at addressing sort of general issues. But being an elite athlete, I think that really um, drew me um, into, you know, what you can sort of provide and that, um, yeah, I suppose that mental performance mastery sort of um, topic is really something that I'm, passionate about and I think that really drew me closer and um, want me to, wanted me to um, reach out and get involved. Benny, right. how, how is the, you know, the mental performance side of the game in the business of AFL evolved? You know, you've been in the in the system now. I think you got drafted and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I don't know exactly, only going off memory, but about 2015 or thereabouts. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You know, ha, have you seen it evolve in that time, the, the focus on yeah. you know, mental performance? Yeah, yeah, massively, mate. I, I reckon um, when I started, it was 
not joked about, but it was, you know, one of those things that it wasn't really talked about all that often. And I suppose it, it comes back to the individual as well. Like I'm someone who has, well, I like to think a, a really high performance mindset. And I think within those sort of people, you really want to reach out and make, I suppose, your mind work for you as best as possible. So I noticed, you know, when I first walked in the doors that, you know, it maybe took me a, a year or so to sort of figure out how I can really make this work for me even more. And yeah, I think everyone's different, but I think you look around the league and there's so many more guys reaching out and trying to um, get an advantage in this sort of space because it's so important. I mean, when you're out there, it's your mind doing all the all the work. I reckon, you know, the body follows where the mind goes. So yeah, for me, I was uh, something that I'm really passionate about. And um, I think around the league, a lot more guys are getting involved and trying to get an advantage in this sort of space. Okay. So when when was it that you started to to do this type of you know, investigation? Um, was it was it day one? Was it week one? Year one? Year two? Or did, it, did that evolve for you as well? I think I think it evolved, mate. Uh, I reckon probably year two, maybe year three. I think as I was saying, I, I was I've always been pretty self aware of my thoughts and my behaviours and actions. But yeah, my first I didn't play hardly at all my first couple of years, and I think after that I was like, you know, I think it's a, a good opportunity to sort of reach out a bit more and try and get my in my mind working for me in really positive ways. Um, like I, I overthink a lot. I'm really anxious sort of person, but at the same time, I've got a really strong performance mindset. So finding a way how to make both those things work for the greater good for myself. So I read, I read recently that um, the, the news in some way where they were talking about yourself and your brother, Harry, you know, yep. the potential of playing together, you know, twins and having that inseparable bond and that sort of thing. And I think that the article I read, you know, dismiss that, you know, very, very quickly. Um, but, you know, growing up together and, and starting, obviously you would have played your footy together down there at home in, uh, yep. in Gippsland. You know, yep. when did you realise that AFL was going to be your thing? It's a good question. Mate, I reckon when I was four or when we were both four or five years old, we loved footy. So we always had a footy in our hand. Our, our dad would keep the footy back to us almost every day. We had a little paddock out the front of our house we had goalposts set up um, we were obsessed mate we loved it we were Essendon supporters growing up which obviously doesn't uh, exist anymore we're both law to our own clubs but uh, yeah we, we loved the footy we'd yeah keep the footy every single day we'd watch every game um, we were obsessed and that's all we wanted to uh, be when we were little was AFL footballers and yeah it's pretty crazy to think sort of 20 20 odd years later 15 20 years later we're sitting in these positions and uh, being able to do our dream job so it's pretty crazy to think about that. Did you both get drafted at the same time? I'm pretty sure you did, if I remember yep, rightly. Yep, yep. So uh, Harry went pick 10 to Carlton and I was pick 21 to North um, in the 2015 draft, yeah. Jamie, Fantastic. And your your dad uh, was a footballer, mate, I believe? He played – so he was he, he played footy and cricket. I, I'm not sure it was super high level, to be honest, mate. But, you know, when we were growing up, he was such a, an important role model for us. Like, I think, as well as mum, they're the reasons why we're here today. And, you know, he, he's so – he was so critical of us and our skills, but he only wanted us to get better and improve. And yeah, can't thank him enough and the impact he's had for both of us in our careers. Yeah, that's great. And it's interesting, Roscoe. I still remember back to one of the first conversations I had with Scotty Armour, who from St. Paul's, and he talked a lot about introducing this growth mindset into uh, into the program and, and getting athletes to understand what that means. And you know, Benny's already mentioned it having a high performance mindset and a growth mindset and the power of that. And there was an interesting discussion, Benny and I had in a session the other day um, in a Zoom call about the end of season, we're, we're doing a bit of a debrief and 
you know, he already had his sort of end of season debrief with the coaches, and they they looked at all the areas for him, to, you know, for potential growth next year. And you know, I think he spent about ten or fifteen minutes just engaging in that that discussion around the areas that he can develop in preparation for next season. And then I had to sort of just stop him in his tracks a little bit and and go over something that I thought I thought was really critical. And uh, the listeners of the podcast will know the importance that I put on positive reinforcement and all that sort of stuff. So, Benny, I might get you to step in and, and just that moment in our chat the other day um, where you were really, you know, getting connected to that growth mindset, which we love. But when I stopped you, what was the point I was trying to make or what did we discuss in that moment? Yeah, I think going back to what I was saying before, my mind is very growth sort of orientated. Like I've, I've got that, you know, I've always got to do the next thing and next thing and next thing. So um, when we were speaking, you know, I was, uh, I suppose, trying to explain what sort of I was, you know, already thinking about next year and how I can get better and improve. And to your point, you sort of pulled me up and just said, sometimes you've got to um, understand how far you've come and um, you've got to appreciate the work you've done and get around yourself, you know, be proud of how far you've come, say, from last year to this year and um, just that positive reinforcement that, hey, you've you've had a really solid year and yet we can still worry about next year and then growth at uh, a later stage. But from now, we can just um, celebrate the year you had and just be proud and happy that you've come a long way again and grown again um, and don't ever underestimate um, the importance of that. Yeah, that's great because especially in, 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 in your industry, you know, you have a game every week. You, you have you have a game. You review the game. You get ready for next week. Sometimes there's, in reality, there might not be a lot of time to sit in that positive reinforcement and that that appreciation for your performance or the growth and improvements. So, at the end of the season, I think sometimes it's just a great time to just reflect, look back, appreciate how far you have come, because you did have a really really solid season. Um, would you almost say your best most consistent season yet yeah i think so going back to your first point you know, it's a it's a 23 round season so you're exactly right it's literally you review your game um you sort of go through what that looked like and then it's already on to the next one and how you can sort of change things for the next week or what that looks like so you know i'm still probably stuck in that mindset a little bit of you know it's already what's next so um that's a really good point and personally i think it was i played um 22 games um so there's 23 rounds, but you, every team has a buy. So 22 out of 22, which is really um, something I'm sort of proud of looking back on it now. Um, when you're in the, the midst of the season, it's sort of hard to um, look back and reflect on sort of your progress. But um, so the last couple of years have been really um, good in my growth as a footballer and a person as well. So um, to sort of continue on from last year, I played 11 or 12 games last year and then to play every game this year, um, and grow again um, was something I'm proud of. And I think it's just a, yeah, the base of um, myself going forward. And yeah, but it's important to look back and reflect and um, yeah, to acknowledge yeah, again, the growth I've had this year. Ben, I was going to ask when, when you came in as a, as a young fellow from the, from Gippsland, you know, did you experience pressure or did you have to deal with the pressure of being in the system um, and and the other part of this question is you know were the people in and around the club that you looked up to and and guided you through and, and helped you and you had a like as mentor type situ- situations yeah i think there's always going to be pressure mate i um when i when i got drafted i was yeah lucky enough to go first round so you sort of had a pretty good idea that you're going to get picked up which is um in a way 
help those nerves and, and pressure and stuff. And and being a key position player, you sort of not expected to sort of, you know, jump on the scene within your first few years. So again, there wasn't like super amount of pressure like day one, I, I suppose. But um, I think the more you the more you play and the more you spend time on a list, you're like, all right, I need to, you know, get going and start showing some really um, strong signs of improvement. So my first year or a couple of years really, I think it was just learning about um, how everything works and there's always going to be pressure from external people, but I think the pressure I put on myself as well was really important. I think a lot of guys, especially tall players can be, yep, I know I've got a few years under my belt to sort of relax and work my way up. But I think my mindset was I'm not going to necessarily wait. Um, I'm going to try and, you know, force my way in and improve as much as possible. So I think that really um, helped me early on. And we had, when I first walked in there, there was like Brent Harvey and Drew Petrie and like Nick Dalsano, all those sort of guys have been around for years and years. And yeah, they were really important. Drew Petrie was an amazing bloke. He um, was always checking in at training and being a fellow key position player, um, he was really important for um, my development that first year. But I think the pressure I put on myself sort of worked in the first couple of years not being sort of comfortable. You know, I was like, well, I know I'm tall and I've got a probably a couple of years to play with, but that's not necessarily giving me a reason not to sort of try and push the boundaries and improve um, quite quickly. Do do you now, having been there for a while, you know, take on board some of those younger, younger guys that come through and have you been able to help them in any way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think as a, an older guy, so this is my sixth year I've just completed and I think there's always a bit of responsibility on some of the older guys. Like I've, I've played under 50 games, but... I've been around long enough to sort of pick up these little things. And I suppose when you see young guys coming in, it's important to sort of try and show them the right way. And um, whether it's just a, a little, I don't know, a little uh, behavior around the club that you can sort of help them improve on or um, off field stuff. I think it's really important no matter how many games you played or how old you are to really nurture these young guys coming through because they don't know any different. I was the same when I walked in, they've just finished school and they're living the adult life that they haven't experienced before. So it's really important to sort of, show them the way and help them in any way um, you can. Yeah, it's been, I, I know, you know, through through the year, Roscoe sort of chatting with, with Benny and, uh, you know, that high-performance mindset. And this is the great thing about having a team sport. He's transferring that into the people around him. He's, you know, the, the culture that he's wanting to keep facilitating and and having a positive impact on the group and and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, It's been really cool to watch um, and just hear him talk about, his role within not only his position, but within the club, within the team and all those sort of things. And, you know, a, a high performance mindset, whether it's, uh, whether it's for football, golf, business, life, um, you know, there are so many similarities. And, um, you know, I think for, for Benny, it's, I suppose, if we, if we talk about a couple of key priorities from your mental performance point of view, what would you say through the years have been a couple of things that you've focused on, you know, that, that have helped you to perform at or near your best on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think one, one point, mate, is just self-honesty. I reckon I'm a big believer on that. I think um, that's something that's helped me, especially this year and, and last year. I think that reflection of um, where you're at, um, how you're going, and I reckon that's where you get your biggest improvement because a lot of guys, yeah, as you said, whether it's work, business, football, golf, I think, you know, sometimes if you're not honest with yourself, you can sort of think you're going okay and you're sort of not really uh, making any ground. So I think that one's been really important for me, mate, just that self-honesty. And whenever we chat, I know it's, you know, a lot of the the talk is things that happen at the moment and uh, where things are at currently. I think that's really important to sort of address those issues 
as they came up because, you know, we're in an ever-changing world. So um, I think that's been really important for me, just that self-honesty and addressing things that keep popping up. And that's been really important. So probably probably that one has been probably the biggest one. Yeah, and also there's that constant sort of, as we were speaking about the other day, just that ability to pivot between you know, that positive and negative stuff. Yeah, I find myself, you know, I was saying the other day, constantly thinking about, you know, the next thing and um, what that looks like. But sometimes it's really important to look back on and, acknowledge your growth as well so probably those two things mate yeah yeah that's that's great mate and i know you know in, in not only just elite sport but but it's human nature for us to avoid going to a place that makes us feel you know feel uncomfortable feel like we're not enough and you know that that honesty is really important to allow that that you know that sense of just what just happened there wasn't good enough or I can do better or be really true and real with yourself. I think that's, that's, you know, that's really important. And, you know, you've, you've always done a great job of that. And uh, yeah, for me, I think that's, that's a, a really big one. And as you said, just that, that balance between positive and negative, because when you also have that growth mindset and are constantly thinking about what you need to do to get better, sometimes that can be sending a subconscious message to yourself that you're not enough. And that can get triggered pretty quickly in, in, a, in a game. Um, so being able to balance that out so you are giving yourself that positive reinforcement, that subconscious message that you are enough and you have done enough and you are growing and you're on the right path and all that sort of stuff, it's just a really, really healthy balance point, not from just a mental performance point of view, but more importantly these days from a mental health point of view. So, yeah, it's really great to see you, you know, commit to some of these processes and, uh, and continue to commit to your mental game as much as you do to the skills. Yeah, I think I think it's so important. With. Yeah. As I was saying at the start, you know, when you're out there in front of 30, 40, 50,000, it's literally you in your mind. Like you've got to be able to, I think that's why that self-honesty, that putting yourself in those situations where um, you're not necessarily going to like, because um, when you're out there, it's, it's you, you in your mind and you've got to be able to be true to yourself and understand what's happening in each situation. So I think, you know, practicing being honest with yourself, but also acknowledging when thoughts are just thoughts, like they're not not important, they're not going to help me. And also when thoughts are, are true and I need to address them. So um, I think that's really important as well. In in talking about that and, and in doing that, do you have any, how do you go about that post game? You know, you come away from a game, whether it's a, a good one or, or one that you'd rather forget and, you know, away from the boys, away from the club, you know, do you have a process for completing a bit of a review and a refocus like that because i think yep. golfers yep. you know we're always we finish around a golf and immediately we want to analyze and you know reassess and then think about what we can do and, and the things that we're talking yep. about you know do you have a process you know is it journaling yeah. or something like that so, so i've had a couple of mentors especially one recently who played the exact same position as me and, and we spoke about sort of debriefing after a game and, and he was really big on not having or not letting the emotion take control. So especially after a game, if I've played bad and my opponents kick goals on me, it's going to be, I'm going to be pretty disappointed and upset and um, emotional. So um, sometimes my sort of process is sometimes it might be the day after. So it might be, if you're playing a Saturday, it might be a Monday afternoon or Monday morning or something where I'll sort of sit down and I'll write down some notes um, about my opposition player. And then also the things that sort of I did well. And then also a couple of things I need to get, get better at and improve. And then also, at the club, I'll watch my vision with um, our backline coach as well. So um, I think there's sort of a self, yeah, a self reflection sort of piece, sort of a couple of days later after the sort of emotions gone out of it. Because I think you can be pretty emotional after a game. So it's yeah, addressing those things in my mind and also writing a few things down where 
um, I can get better and improve on. And that's something, a growth as well, making sure that that split is 50-50 at least. So um, sometimes in the past, I've probably been caught doing that sort of more to a negative bias. So um, I think in the, in the future, I can make that a more of a 50-50. But um, I think certainly addressing um, things not from a, an emotional point of view, because that can really be, yeah, important in, in the wrong ways, I reckon, to, to do that. And I think, Roscoe, to the, the podcast listeners, you know, we talk a lot about informational versus emotional. You know, yeah. when we when we debrief performance or we're actually looking at, at any element of our performance to try and do from a facts, informational point of view, not from an emotional response or an emotional reaction point of view. And, you know, for for Benny um, and, and his sort of mentor, you know, to bring up that, hey, don't do it straight after the game. Give it a couple of days or, you know, 48 hours or so for the emotion to die down. Then you'll be able to see things yeah, in sure. more of a clearer light. I think that is is phenomenal. And I'm, I think I know who the mentor is, but, uh, you know, anyone that's bringing you that quality of information, I'm sure he was an absolute superstar. And I'm sure he probably played for the greatest team that's ever played in the AFL. Would I be correct? I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, I think we'll be right. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, I'm a Mighty Cats fan. So uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, <laughs> look, it's a fantastic advice. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's good to good to see that, mate. You you know, you're surrounding yourself with such amazing people um, that you can learn from. So, yeah. so talk about, it's such a weird time, obviously, for everyone um, with COVID and you know, the, the, the restrictions that are placed on us. But what's the impact of, because we've talked about it with, with some of the golfers we work with about playing in front of crowds and also now playing, you know, with no one around. What's it like for you guys playing without the crowd? Because the, the atmosphere at an AFL game is phenomenal. Yeah. Man, so I, talk about it's, that. Yeah, it's a weird one because, I mean, when you think about football, you think about AFL, you're exactly right. You think of... 30, 40, 50, 100,000 um, screaming fans. And I reckon um, it takes a little bit of adjustment to realise that that's not the case necessarily anymore. But um, I suppose week to week in your in your progress and your preparation for a game, it doesn't change. But I suppose in the back of your mind, um, you sort of know it's not quite the same, to be honest. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. just, that's just natural. I think, you know, as, as I was growing up in Gippsland, it was always playing in front of crowds and that was AFL. And... Um, I think week to week, it's not too too different sort of at the club and your, and your preparation for a game. But once you're out there, it's just that the atmosphere is not quite the same. Obviously, there's no one there. Um, I think this year, to be honest, in some way, it may have helped. Um, I think when there's no crowd, it's it's easy to just lock in on what you're doing, whereas the crowd is like an external um, third sort of person, I suppose, you've got to deal with. So um, sometimes I reckon that was probably a, a beneficial sort of thing for some players. And I was probably yeah. the same at some stage. And then... On the other hand, with a crowd, it probably just takes a little bit longer to adjust and sort of lock into um, and, and sort of blocking them out. Like obviously, if there's forty thousand people at a game, it might take a, a couple of minutes to sort of acknowledge that they're there and sort of get back to your um, your job. But with no one there, it's literally business as usual straight away. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And do you think? Do you think from a a mental game point of view and a, and a being in control of your thoughts and being more aware of your thoughts? Do you think it's more important not having a crowd there because that crowd can help trigger a certain type of thinking with the adrenaline and all that sort of stuff, yeah. the atmosphere that you might have to actually be in control of yourself? Yeah, correct, man. In round three, um, Josh Bruce played pretty well that game. He kicked 10 and I remember I sort of played on in the 
sort of back end of the game, um, sort of the last quarter and a half. And I was the last quarter um, and they were feeding him and the, and the crowd was going wild. And um, that crowd sort of impacted some of my decision making. Like when they were up and about and um, whenever the ball was near him, they'd sort of get up and about. And that would sort of, um, you know, make me sort of lose concentration for a second there. And um, I learned a lot from that, that, you know, yeah, when the crowd's up and about and someone's on fire, doesn't mean you can, um, you know, have to sort of listen to the crowd and sort of make them uh, or make the crowd sort of impact your decision making. So um, there's lessons like that, that um, just because they're trying to, um, I suppose, you know, create some atmosphere and um, get behind someone doesn't, doesn't mean you change your decision making and um, you still got to worry about your job and um, that can easily be uh, I think I can sort of work on hopefully when there's crowds next time that if someone is going on a roll, doesn't mean um, you sort of lose sight of the process. So, and it can be hard when there's, you know, 50,000 people there or whatever it is. And they're, um, they're all screaming for, for one team, but um, it, it makes it even more important to lock in and what you're doing and um, be strong uh, mentally to worry about the process. Um, so yeah, I learned a good lesson that day. Yeah, that's great, man. I think too, this year, oh, you know, from my perspective, I think there, there's been so much, growth in your self-awareness, like the awareness yeah. of thought and the impact of thoughts as well. You know, we talk a bit about that cognitive sequence that the listeners will know about, about thinking, emotion, behaviour, outcome, and how our thoughts really do drive that sequence. Um, yeah. And uh, you, I think you've done a, done a great job this year, really having an awareness of thoughts through a game and then yeah. knowing whether as you said earlier, knowing whether just the thoughts are thought and we can let it flow by because it means nothing or, you know, we need to change a thought to create that more empowering emotional state and then pattern of behaviour um, and so on. So what would you say has been, you know, your biggest, I suppose, biggest learning, growth, um, improvement this year from a, a mental or a cognitive point of view? I reckon definitely that, mate, that self-awareness of, you know, uh, you know, our brains are going to be ticking over so much throughout a day and um, I'm no different. But as you were saying before, the importance of acknowledging what an important thought is and, and what isn't, you know, if it's not important, just trying to let it go as quick as possible and come back to uh, so just a process of trying to move around, move my feet, whatever it is, you know, that get, sort of brings me back to the now, I suppose. And it's important to sort of, you know, that concentration thing as well when you're out there, it's really easy to sort of let your mind wander and mind wanders a lot out there. But it's important, I think, I've tried to work on just bringing it back to um, what I can control. Like, I'm a big one for that. So um, when I'm out there, I can control. I'm just putting a bit of body contact to my opponent or moving around a bit. So it's just acknowledging what thoughts aren't useful and then what are and then how I can use that to my advantage and making sure my head's in the, in the game and making sure they're thinking the right things to be able to have an impact on the game. So it's instead of thinking about... A mistake that I've made before. It's sort of yeah, acknowledging what's happening up the field and how I can have an impact. And that I'm big on that live information. So um, I think if my mind's free of um, positive sort of room, I suppose you know it's, it's yeah. a good chance to sort of have an impact on the game positively. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great for me. Now I think the the almost the most challenging time of the year may be ahead for you in the next eight ten weeks because. Yeah. You are just this, you know, high performance machine. Every day you you want to get better and you want you want things to be able to do to get better. And now you've got the end of season where you you've got time off. And for you to sit still and reset and recharge the batteries, I think could be probably the most challenging time of year. Would you agree? 
Yeah, definitely. And especially whilst we're in lockdown, mate, it's I'm, I'm so bored. It's literally not much I can do at all. So that's that's definitely a challenge. And I, to be honest, towards the end of the year, I didn't think too much of it. And then you know, this week, I've really realised how actually hard it may be for the next couple of weeks. You know, as you said, I'm, I'm not able to get out and even go on a holiday to try and force myself to relax. So um, whilst you're sitting around, it is, it is pretty hard, to be honest, mate. And it's... Uh, yeah. Not something I thought would be as hard as probably what it's been this week, but um, hopefully it's only for a couple more weeks. But without being able to go away and um, sort of recharge sort of properly, um, yeah, your mind sort of starts ticking away again and there's no real distractions. I mean, you can watch Netflix, you can watch the footy, but, you know, after a while we sort of mind finds a way back to sort of its normal state. But that's all right. Hopefully it's a couple more weeks and we can um, get away and visit you up in Queensland, mate. Yeah, hey, exactly. Maybe we need to get a driving net and a, and a putting mat in, in, in the house there, uh, Benny, for you. you it's know? not a bad idea, mate. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't mind that at all. Uh, one of the one of the biggest uh, customers for me have been your AFL uh, fraternity. Uh, you know, when they went out, away up into lockdowns and that sort of thing, the rush to get golf gear was phenomenal from uh, your cohort. They all wanted to take golf clubs away. And uh, <laughs> I think a few of the boys have, have got some putting mats at home uh Big Shawnee McKernan, uh, I know he's just uh, just finished his career, but he's at home, uh, just had a bit of a, a foot touch-up. He's got a putting mat out there. Uh, so maybe we need to get one of those out to you, mate. I'd love one of them, mate, just to, well, firstly, to work on my golf game. That would be a, a priority, but also to kill a bit of time would be good, mate, so we might have to um, sort that out. Do you think, you know, you, you haven't played, you've played a bit of golf. Golf's been more of a fun uh, fun thing yep. uh, for you. Do, you. do you see how, you know, the work that you do with Jamie and the work that you do professionally for your sport is transferable across the golf, you know, when you think about yeah. golf? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, not necessarily just golf, but it's, yeah, business, it's footy, it's golf. The fact that every sport you've got to use your mind and that's such an important tool you know, I don't know much about golf compared to um, Jamie, but, you know, I can only imagine how important having a, the right mindset and um, focusing on the right things can impact because it's such a, I know it's, it's an important skill, I suppose, when you're, um, you know, trying to hit a ball into a hole, it's, it's pretty important. So many factors around um, your swing and stuff, like I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but it's a, I can only imagine how important it is to sort of be so locked in on what you're doing because there's so many variables in golf. So, yeah, whether that's, as I said, um, business or footy or golf, the importance of a, a strong mind and a mental sort of plan, I suppose, is really important. So, Mate, you you hit the nail on the head there. For someone that just said they don't know what they're talking about, you've, you've nailed it on the head <laughs> with the variables and all that sort of stuff. I do have to ask one question, um, and I hope I can stay on this, uh, this episode and not sort of walk out on it, depending upon the, the answer. But have you had a hole in one before? No, I haven't, mate. I don't think I'll ever get one. Right. <laughs> well, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to stay because uh, <laughs> I, I, I was afraid you were going to say, yes, I've had a hole in one. Um, I've been playing this stupid game for 28 years at a, at a decent level and I still haven't had one, mate. So I could have um, said yes and just made, made you feel bad about yourself, mate. But I, I'll be honest <laughs> and no. <laughs> I don't need another person saying yes and making me feel bad. I, I've seen <laughs> six-year-olds that have played the game for three weeks having one and... Uh, Oh, God, no. So, um, no, that's <laughs> no, great. Now, I do have to also, and, and I'll bring this up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to get your brother on the podcast in a few weeks, who I've had the pleasure of working with this year as well. And I was extremely excited about looking or watching a, a game a couple of weeks ago where you two were going to go head-to-head. Um, I was, I'd been gearing myself up for that for quite a while because I thought, look, this is knowing what you both work on and, and, and how different you are, you know, as athletes and the different roles you play, 
and just seeing you go head to head. But uh, the big H, mate, pulled the pin. Yeah, that's two years in a row, mate. Uh, last year up in Queensland, when we were in the hub, we uh, I just got back in the team as well, and um, we would have played um, against each other as well. So uh, he pulled out late. I think it was a sore knee or something, so he says. Uh, and then I think at that stage, we were pretty happy because we're in Queensland. Um, the family couldn't get there. It was like, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. You know, it's not meant to be. Next year's next year's the one. And we've been in the uh, the system for six years, so it's um, it's about time. But anyway, we're like 2021. How good's this? And you know, there, there was a fair bit of media attention about it as the game sort of got closer and closer. And he was obviously going well at that stage and, and had a really good year, obviously no doubt. So I'm, I'm proud of him in that way. But as he got closer, you know, uh, you start to probably think about just don't get injured, don't get injured, and then hopefully he doesn't get injured either. And I don't know. I think it was round 19 uh, that it was. Um, supposed to happen and all that week it was pretty exciting we normally talk every once a week or once every couple of weeks and yeah we didn't speak at all that week um, as you can probably imagine and it was uh, pretty business as usual and then we've got a family whatsapp group um, and on so it was the game was on Sunday I think and it was a Saturday I think it was early afternoon and he messaged a group saying um I've got a sore toe. I can't play. And I was like, oh, my God, it's deja vu, mate. So um, A sore toe, though. Come on. I know. I mean, if there's one game you'd want to play, surely it's against your brother. And they needed to win as well. So I would have thought, you know, you'd be able to push through a bit of a, of a sore toe. But it wasn't meant to be. And at, at that stage, I was like, this is never happening. It's been two years in a row where it's perfectly lined up and it, it just wasn't meant to be. So, yeah, it's, it wasn't ideal. It would have been pretty, pretty fun running around against each other. And you look back 20 years ago, it would have been, kidding yourself if you had a thought that we'd be able to play against each other at AFL level. But hopefully next year when there's a crowd there and it can, it's more of a celebration for the family, I think, at some stages. So yeah, um, hopefully they're there and we can, um, yeah, have a good contest. But um, who knows, mate? I said that last year and look what happened. So um, I'll, uh, don't we'll, definitely, we'll definitely bring that up because, uh, you know, I'm a big one on coincidence, but uh, two years in a row and the, <laughs> the injury seems like it's getting smaller. You know, an ingrown toe. Yep. Ingrown yep. nail on the little pinky sort of, or you know, like it's, uh, but no, we'll, we'll get stuck into it, mate. But um, I know how much you were looking forward to that challenge and that contest and just, you know, uh, bruising up your brother a little bit. So, um, I mean, uh, it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty unique sort of circumstances when you think about it. I mean, there is other um, sets of twins around the league, like Max and Ben King from St Kilda and, um, and Gold Coast, but it's pretty unique in the fact that I'm a key defender and he's a key forward. So I think the whole, that whole situation was amplified by the uniqueness of the situation and yeah. um, the fact that we've been in the system for yeah six years and we like to throw a bit of shade at each other on social media, all that sort of stuff. Um, it was all sort of, you know, circling around to a big event that hopefully was going to um, transpire, but it didn't, which is okay. Um, as you said, I'm a big one of coincidence as well, but um, who knows, mate, I, I don't know if it'll have ever happen, um, but and you're both having, you know, you're both having really good seasons in your in your roles, and uh, to to come up against one another, yeah, you know, as you say, it would it was a pretty exciting moment for for the league, and uh, you know, we'll have to wait, we'll have to wait another year, hopefully, for it. But uh, <laughs> Don't I, know, I know when that day happens, mate. There's going to be a lot of people uh, keen to watch and just enjoy the show. Absolutely, I, I can't wait if it happens. That is, yeah. yeah. And here's a here's a chance to throw some throw some mud at your brother. Who's the better golfer? I've seen you both play. Oh, I, I, I'm saying I'm a terrible golfer, Roscoe, but I'm I'm hands down better than Harry. He's a he's a shock golfer. <laughs> um, he we played a lot of cricket growing up, and um, 
when he tees off, when he hits any ball, he takes his little like half step forward. I don't know what he's doing. Um, we played a lot of cricket growing up, so maybe it's just a, a natural sort of step into your shot. So, I mean, I don't know what you think about that technique, guys, but I think I'll have him covered. And I'm, I'm a little bit of the happy Gilmore, mate. Is it like a little a bit, happy yeah. Gilmore? A little bit, yeah. And um, that's not saying much about him or me because we're both terrible, but I think I'd got him covered in technique base, I reckon. Okay, Roscoe, I can I can see once um once lockdown opens up, I can see maybe a little bit of a uh, a simulator challenge playing a playing nine holes or idea. eight in holes at one of the courses. I think with the boys, and we might be able to get some film on that. And uh, we can do yeah, that. that. That's a good fun. idea. No, we can we can certainly get uh, <clears throat> get the lads down there. They've, had, they've both been independently, and um, but uh, yeah, we can we can do that. Um, no problems at all. That'd be that'd, that'd be, be great. great. That's Very awesome. Good. That's great. Well, anything else, Roscoe? You'd like to. Uh, no, mate. I, I, you know, it's always for me. Uh, I love. I'm. I'm very fortunate that I get to, you know, talk to and meet in a golfing sense. You know, people like Ben. That's how I met Ben through golf, and his brother Harry met Harry through golf. Um, a lot of Ben's. You know, the people that he mentioned there as mentors, Boomer and and Nick Dow. You know, both those guys love their golf. Uh, met both those. So you know, I, I'm just very blessed that I get the chance to sit here and do this with you. Uh, with someone like Ben, who is a great young man, great young player, and um, you know, just to hear you know his story firsthand, I think just adds a lot to to what we're doing, what we're bringing to the people who listen to the podcast. Um, just giving different different perspectives on the mental game, how it just doesn't impact you know us as golfers, but it impacts us us in life, and in work, yep. and whatever professional way we go about it, it can um, certainly uh, have an impact in in how we go about life. So. Uh, Benny, I'm thank you um, for letting me eavesdrop into you know your conversation with Jamie, who's been your mental performance coach during this year and and previous years. So thank you, mate. No worries, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I, I loved it. Yeah, thanks, Benny. Really appreciate it. And Roscoe, as we've sort of spoken about moving forward, we we want to try and although it's a golf podcast, we want to try and you know pivot and have as many different guests on the show that uh, can help all the listeners just get that little bit of an insight into high performance thinking and and, and mental performance and and you know, how they approach that in their own life so they can give us all that little bit of a, a heads up on not only, you know, more importantly, not just performance on the golf course or, or, or on the athletic field, but off the golf course or off the sporting field as well, just as a as an individual having a healthy foundation from a mental health perspective is is really important these days, especially with the pandemic, everything that's going on and just hearing, you know, people like Ben give us an insight into how he approaches things and is just, you know, invaluable for all of us. So, mate, really appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to getting your brother on in a couple of weeks and asking him how that little toe's going. <laughs> that, yeah, no worries, guys. I, I loved it and, yeah, it was a, a really good experience for me and, yeah, it was um, good fun. Benny, where can, Thanks, where can people follow you along? So my Instagram handle, give me two secs, mate. Um, it is... At Ben Mackay underscore. So that's on um, Instagram. And then Twitter is, it is at Ben Mackay underscore 23. So um, yeah, if you want to go uh, follow me, that'd be uh, greatly appreciated. Very 23, good. mate, bit of, a, bit of a Jordan fan. 23, is that where that comes from? When I first got to the club, they gave me a couple of options actually. And looking back on it now, I'm sort of half regretting it. I um, I won a BNF uh in my junior years wearing number 13 and when i got to the club 13 and 23 were available and i thought oh 23 a great sports number why not and then looking back on it i was like maybe i should have gone 13 maybe it's a lucky charm but um i'm very happy in 23 mate i don't think i can ever see myself changing very good good mate benny have a great uh off season you know we'll get we'll get past this and you'll be back out there and and busy enough and uh, it won't be that long until uh you're back into next year 
back with the the kangaroos. Um, look forward to seeing you in the golf uh, simulator, maybe on the golf course, and uh, yeah. and we'll catch up with you very soon, mate. Thanks very much. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Roscoe. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, 8 Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.